0: Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Tēnā Katawa, Welcome to this Equity Foundation live stream. My name is Catherine
1: McAlpine, and today I have the great pleasure in introducing our special guests, for today's In Conversation. U.S. Casting Director, Jenny Bacharak, who will be interviewed by New Zealand Equity Vice President, Tandy Wright. We have a New Zealand and Australian audience tuning in, so welcome everyone. I want to take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's two sponsors, the New Zealand Film Commission and the Australian Industry Superannuation Fund, Media Super. Both the New Zealand Film Commission and Media Super have been long-time supporters of the Equity Foundation and we're very appreciative of their support. So now, I would like to introduce Jeannie Bacharach and Tandy Wright. Over to you, Tandy. Kia um, ora Thanks for joining us today. It's, uh, I want to just extend a very warm welcome to all the actors from Australia and New Zealand, and most especially to our special guest, Jeannie Bacharach. Um, thanks, Jeannie, for giving us some of your time. I know you're super busy. Um, and it's a real shame that you can't come down to New Zealand and Australia in person this year. Jeannie was scheduled to come down for one of our casting hothouses, which I'm sure many of you will be familiar with. But we'll have to save that special pleasure for a little later when the world is not so crazy. Um, Yeah, so Jeannie and I are going to chat for about 20, 25 minutes, and then we'll be throwing over to you guys for questions. This is my dream interview, Jeannie, because I never get to ask casting directors the questions that are, you know, there's never any time in auditions. So um, this is a dream come true for me. I wanted to start by asking, asking, because you started as an actress, I think, and I wondered, um, and you've worked in stage as well, I wonder if you find a difference between the work of actors who worked on stage and those who work so- solely on screen?
2: Well, first I'm taking a picture because this is just so cool. So <laughs> first things first. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I would say the difference I find, to me, I, having come from theater, Um, I'm just drawn to that type of actor anyway, but I I think the difference is a lot of time more than whether they come from theater or they've worked mostly in film and television is if they've studied uh, and actually, you know, um, gone through whether it's a, a theater school or some sort of formal training. To me, that's the big difference. And certainly people who work in theater almost always come from some sort of formal training.
0: Yeah.
2: I do find in L.A., there are a lot of uh, actors who someone said, hey, you're quite attractive. Have you ever thought about being in television? And they move from Ohio and they come to Los Angeles and they've never really studied, you know, nor do they choose to really work on their craft once they're here. They're sort of more interested in being famous than um, really being an actor. And I think, unfortunately, we have a, there's a whole you know, world of social media that, that um, influences that and promotes that as well. Um, but I would say for sure the difference I see from actors who come from theater versus those who've worked primarily just in film and TV is often uh, training. And, yeah. and a real understanding of text and how to break down a scene, how to work on a scene, language, dialogue, those types of things.
1: So when you're work- working with a performer in the room, is their ability to be flexible an important thing for
2: you? Absolutely. And I think for uh, that's what directors are looking for a lot of the time, too, is, you know often adjustments that are given in an audition, whether it's from the casting director or the director themselves, is about seeing if, if the actor can take direction and what their ability is to um, adjust and make different choices. So that when they're on set, you know, the director knows they're gonna be able to play around yeah. and find other things in the scene or, or the, the actor who's, you know you're doing the scene with uh, May bring something different than what the reader is doing in the audition, and they want to know that the actor is going to be able to respond appropriately.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. So for us, Jeannie, when we walk into the audition
1: room, the casting director can seem a little scary and powerful, a godlike figure. Um, what is it? How do you see it? Like, How, what, how do you see the relationship between yourself and the auditione?
2: I think the, I think the only way to look at it, and unfortunately not every room is gonna be this way, but the majority of the time, the casting director really is rooting for you. I know it may not always feel that way and, and know that whatever energy you walk into in a room, more often than not has nothing to do with you. You know, it may be a bad phone call that they just had with the producer who was, you know, upset about something, or maybe, you know, something personal going on in that casting director's life, but, um, but know that really we're rooting for you and, and take that idea that it's you against us, or in any way there's, there's a separation or a power, um, tier to it and, and really come at it as, as collaborators um, and working together and creating together because I, I think that can only help to free you up to do your best work. If, if you're feeling you know in any way intimidated or that you don't shouldn't be there or don't have a right to be there, or you're not what what's written on the page, how the characters' described, you know you, you think, oh, there's no way I'm, I'm getting this part. I'm not how the character is, is written trust that there's a reason you're being brought in the room, um, that the casting director knows your work or, or may not know your work, but is open to trying something different than what may seem to appear on the page. You know, a lot of times those descriptions in the script are more about the executives that they're selling the script to, to give them some sort of idea as they're reading it. But once you get into the actual casting, it's about the people I work with and I enjoy working with, it's about stretching that description as far as you can.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting actually, I'm about to play a character who on the page is physically perfect. She's just, <laughs> and I'm, I find, I'm finding it really intimidating, but I have to like be firm with myself, right? And say that- right. it, the big print which was for the studio and it's actually it's actually not for me
2: right right it's you know it's it, it's an outline it's you know or it's perhaps how the writer saw it initially but what's really fun is to start to um get the writer to kind of open up their mind i mean that that's the fun thing for me is to say okay yeah you wrote it as a 30-year-old uh, woman, but what if we brought in a 65-year-old man or, you know, whatever it is and and uh, really sort of try to, you know, toss things a little bit on their ear um, just just to explore And sometimes it falls flat. Um, sometimes it just doesn't work, but, you know, it's sh- certainly fun to try. And that, yeah. that makes my job exciting. Yeah. And so,
1: so what is it... Is there anything in particular, any approaches or qualities that would really spark your interest in someone? How can an actor present their best audition for you?
2: Um, There's certain things and and they seem rather simple, but I would say um, preparation. Really, really, really be prepared. Um, You know, sometimes it might be, you know, your first time meeting this casting director, so you know, you want to make a great impression. Um, it's about professionalism. Um, so knowing, you know, that the actor I'm bringing in um, for this role is going to be prepared on the day. But, you know, it, it's, your, it's your shot. It's like any job interview. You got to come in and, and present your best self. So, so preparation, you'd be shocked by the number of actors who come in very unprepared. Um, to me, it's about making choices um, strong choices, clear choices, smart choices. Um, I I'd rather someone makes a bold wrong choice than to just play it safe and middle of the road and not really do much with the material because if they've made a strong choice, like I, I, I know that there's thought there. I know that there's reason that, you know, they have behind that and, and they've taken the time to kind of make decisions. And, and um, so at least I had then had, I know I have something to work with. If someone comes in and they, they are not, they haven't really done much with it. You know, I don't know, do they have anything more to give or is that it? If they haven't put the work in, do I want to put the extra work in myself? You know, you have to be willing to sort of at least meet halfway with the casting director and not expect them to sort of give you all the insights or all the choices that you know do all the homework for you um so I, you know so strong clear smart choices i mean also choices to me are so much an indication of somebody's intelligence um and sense of humor to me is always so interesting and there's so many different types of humor you can bring into an audition and of course sometimes that's not appropriate at all for the scene but I would say anytime you can work in whether it's irony or self-deprecation humor to me is also such an indication of someone's intelligence Uh, and you know being professional in the room um, you know come in you can do, you know, feel the room. Sometimes people want to chat. I, I sometimes will chat with people just to try to make them feel comfortable, settle in a little bit. Um, but some people are not at all into that and you have to sort of learn to read the room. Um, and as much as starting the audition, ending the audition and not sort of hanging out and, or second guessing yourself or saying, I, yeah, uh, no, I mean, it was okay, I guess, you know, fine. Um, I mean, I, I probably could have done better, but, and I know it's good. I mean, if that's, if you're good with it, I'm good with it. You know, like feel good about it. Own that time. That's your time in the room. Make the absolute most of it.
1: That's actually, I, I think there's quite a cultural difference there because I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but but definitely New Zealand and to a certain extent Australia too, I think we have self-deprecation as kind of part of our culture. <laughs> so, so if we're too, yeah, so if we're too kind of clear about, you know, how great we were, we'll be seen as a tall poppy and, you know. So, uh, but it, it's, interesting, it. it's interesting that that would read differently for you, potentially, right? That might read as
2: insecurity. Yeah, I mean, there's, there can be a certain charm to it, for sure. Um, but that's also... Very interesting to know culturally and important for me to remember. Um, But I think you can also pick up on that in the room. The thing I think I'm talking about more is when an actor knows that they really, and and again, I think it comes out of not really being prepared. And so they're trying to kind of slough it off or joke it out or whatever it is when they know that they really didn't put in the work that they were supposed to. Got it.
1: Um, I wanted to ask you about the idea of authenticity, because it's a, it's a word we hear a lot, that this is what you have to offer as your own authentic self. And I, I just wanted you to talk about how you see that. What does that mean for you?
2: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I guess for me, it would really more um, have to do with uh, groundedness. Uh, And connection to the material. So often, you know, someone will come in and they'll they'll do a good audition and and you know you you understand the scene and they've you know they've hit all the right beats and moments, but you don't feel like they're they're truly connected to the words. That they really are not owning the words. It just sort of feels a little bit surface, and that it's just not that next step, sort of deeper. And truly connected. So I would say that, in terms of authenticity, that's how I would. That's what I'm looking for. Um, And you know, I think bringing yourself to the role always. That that's where you have to start. And of course, there are going to be roles that you play that are not at all who you are as a person, but but there's some aspects of who you are in that person. I mean, no, you're not a serial killer, but what, what, how do you connect to that? person? Well, there, there are things that you will have in common with that character. And I think if you can sort of start there and that's where sort of the grounding comes from and the connection comes from, and then sort of building out from there. Yeah. But you can't approach a character from completely outside. You, you have to own it, you have to sit in it, you have to connect. To me, that's that would be the difference between a good audition and a great audition.
1: Yeah. And is there a kind of a, a not being judgmental about your character thing? In absolutely, absolutely, yep. Yeah. Ginny, um, I wanted to, to talk a bit about self-tapes because we're all self-taping these days. <laughs> um, but so before we all fell into the chasm of COVID, what, what percentage of your uh, auditions that you were receiving would be have been self-tapes?
2: I would say at this point, probably 40%.
1: Wow. And that's, yeah, yeah that's normal now. I
2: think, so. well, and it's interesting, you know, there are certain things I work on where they'll have a New York casting director, they'll have a casting director in Australia and London uh, for at least some part of the time. But there have been a lot of things I've been working on recently where there isn't. And so it's, you know, anyone outside of LA is self-taping. And as you were probably aware, there is a great love affair in Hollywood with uh Australian and New Zealand and British actors um and so uh you know and and now the world is just so much bigger and the ability to self-tape and you know send it five minutes later and have it be in my inbox I mean it you know that it's changed so dramatically Um, and I think, you know, just with technology and social media and all of that, I mean, the world has just grown exponentially and producers are much more open to casting off of self tape than they were even five years ago. And I think some of that has to do with so much production being outside of Los Angeles. Yeah. Because so many, even in the United States, I think there were more shows that, that shot in Atlanta uh, one season, then shot in l a and so directors and producers have gotten so much more comfortable casting off of self tape because they 're they're, they're, they're on they're location they 're scouting they 're doing what they need to do uh, they 're not in the room with the actors, and so you know I think I think production shooting outside of of l a had a lot to do with with directors and producers getting comfortable with casting off of self tape. Um, But I'd say even in LA, there are actors who will choose to self-tape rather than come in the room, which makes no sense to me, uh, because why wouldn't you want to at least be in the room with the casting director and get some direction and feedback and things like that. But I think for actors who have a certain body of work, who've been doing it long enough, I think it's a bit of a self-preservation thing where if they self-tape and they don't get the job, somehow it's less of a um, a ding to their ego because they didn't really go for it. They, you know, they self-taped and, you know, they didn't come in the room. They didn't really put themselves out there. So I think it's somewhat of a self-preservation thing for some actors. And some of it too, I think, is is being able to control the environment, you know, doing several takes, lighting, maybe a little bit of props, um, things like that, that self-tape allows uh, allows you to do. Yeah. And I think some of that is, is also based on casting director. If they know it's a casting director who you come in, you do one take, they don't give you an adjustment, you know, and out you go. Some people will choose to do self-tapes because that way they can tape themselves a couple times and send their best take. Yeah.
1: Do you think that sometimes performers are more relaxed in a self-tape environment
2: sure sure because and and because you know and i i think if you want to give yourself some props if you want to set yourself up in the scene in some way that again grounds you and connects you to the material in a deeper way than doing it in some, you know, weird room with noise outside and someone answering a phone and things like that. You know, do it. I, you know, I, I think there's a fine line between overproducing your self-tape. Yeah. Um, but you know, some some directors and producers respond to that. You know, um, I, you know, I, I think you just want to make sure that your work is not getting lost in the busyness of what you might be doing. Yeah. In this.
1: What, so, so what do you see? I mean, either in the room or via self-tape, do you see, like, are you looking for a finished and polished performance or are, or are you looking more for the spark of something? Yeah, it's, it,
2: I would say if it feels too polished and and, and it's happened, I mean, there are actors who come in and give, you know, a, what seems to be a perfect audition, and then they get to set and they can't do anything else. You know, that's, you know, or or you see actors, you know, they've worked on it and, you know, absolutely, I'm gonna look here at this moment and I'm gonna tilt my head here. And then you've given them an, an adjustment and it doesn't change at all. You know, they've so sort of um, over, you know, overthought, and uh, they have no ability to be flexible. Um, so I think too polished to me is not as interesting as you know, just those moments of connection that you're seeing, those, as you said, sort of these flashes and sort of a rawness and a vulnerability and just being present. I mean, I think that's so much a part of it too. I, you know, and it's hard, you come into a room And, you know, sometimes the reader is wonderful and sometimes they're terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And I I feel for you and I try not to ever have that be the situation in my room, but, you know, uh, it happens and that's the reality and you, you know, so that's where again, your homework comes into play. You know, you have to have made those choices and be solid enough in your choices that it's not gonna throw you, but you still have to be able to kind of play with what you're being given. Um, You know, and then you'll have great readers. And and I love to read uh, in my auditions with the actors because, you know, I can see things in reading with people that I don't always get when I'm just watching. And I can, you know, say to a director or producer, no, 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 I know you didn't get that. It didn't necessarily come across on camera, but I'm telling you when I was reading there, you know, that moment or whatever it is was so real and that person was so connected.
1: Yeah, great, yeah. So how how, um, involved are you in the decision-making process with the directors and producers?
2: You know, it depends on your relationship with your team. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to have worked with certain producers and, and creative teams, directors, you know, that I've worked with in the past. And then there's a wonderful shorthand and trust. I mean, so much of it is about trust and building a relationship and having um, shared, uh, I, you know, ideas about actors, shared taste in actors, Uh, shared ability to, you know, communicate what you're trying to get across. Um, And again, trusting like, hey, I'm going to bring in somebody who I know it's not how you see this role, but they're really, really special. And I would just ask that you be open to seeing, you know, something different.
3: Um,
2: So, you know, I, I, those of course are are the best projects to work with. And the longer I've been doing it, I've been lucky enough to, you know, be able to, choose to work with those people and not have to take jobs that where i know that may not be the case um but they're always going to be new people and and a lot of it is just again about building trust um between you know the creative process and and being able to say you know i i, I hear you i understand you didn't see that maybe you know in the scene but trust me you know, I know this actor, I know their work, either give them another shot or let me, you know, show you some other film on them where you can see what it is you think you might be looking for. And also about, you know, that, that trust and safety in the room and and working with a creative team that it's as important to them as it is to me about, um, a room where actors can come in and be vulnerable and feel safe and, uh, feel respected um, and able to, you know, do their best work. I mean, so much of it is about just setting up that room for you guys to be able to do your best work. And, you know, it's a, how anyone gets a job in this situation is crazy. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you're not reading with the actual actor. You're not in costume. You're not on set. You don't have your props. I mean, you know, you're, you're manufacturing this entire, world in a you know 8 by 8 room um so it's extraordinary what you guys do and your willingness to come in and and work and open up and try and play i mean play 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 that is the to me i think the most important thing you can enter into any audition with is is just be ready to play and and also embrace it as this like opportunity to get to play this character for five minutes or whatever it is, whether you get the job or not. But like, how cool is that? That that's what you do for a living. Even if you don't get the job, like you're not standing out in the hot sun directing traffic. You know, I mean, I I know it's hard and I know it doesn't always work out the way you want to, but, but, Uh, come to every audition as if it's just the most fun and and it's about winning you know some of you may have heard me say this before but it's about winning the room it's not about winning the role because there's so many things that come into play as to whether someone gets a job or not that are completely out of your control as an actor you know looks age What, how you come across uh, economically in terms of the storytelling, Um, whether you look too much like somebody who's already on the show, uh, all of those things that you can't control, all you can do is come in and do your best work and trust that if it doesn't happen in that particular job, our job as a casting director is to remember you for the next thing. It's not about this job, it's about maybe 12 jobs from now.
1: Yeah, right. Um, I was gonna ask, Jenny, I I guess to a certain extent, your reputation is on the line, each job you do as well. And so, um, to what extent do you feel able to take risks on performers that you don't know so well? Maybe they're younger or maybe they're from another territory. I mean, it, it must be tempting to stick with performers who you know and you love and you trust.
2: Yes, yes. But to me, that's so uninteresting. I mean, I, you know, I would so much rather give someone new an opportunity and find a fresh face than go with the same old, same old. And so that's also in terms of what I was saying before about sort of stretching the definition um, of a character is, is to just, you know, I could bring you 12 people who are some slight variation of how you saw this role or how the character is described, or I can bring you 12 people who, you know, run the full spectrum of that description. And to me, I'd much rather do that. And I, I much rather see a new face than a same old, same old. And and I have found having moved from US network. Standard television to working in cable and streaming. There's so much more freedom that way. Uh, unfortunately, I think in, in a lot of network TV, uh, you're getting cast to sell soap. You're, you know, it's about the advertisers and not so much about, you know. And so often, you know, if it's a decision between a sort of kind of very wholesome, very safe very attractive package of an actor and someone who's, you know, a little raw and, um, you know, not, not as, as neat a package, but, but a super interesting actor. Unfortunately, they're gonna go with A, was my experience in, in network TV, but in cable and streaming, it's, it's been the opposite. And it goes back more to my theater casting in the way that I love to cast, which is really about the actor and not about the look.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so um, going back to self-taping for a minute, and actually, um, for everyone listening, we'll be opening up for questions fairly soon, so keep them coming um, in the chat box. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Jeannie, um, when you're looking at self-tapes, you must look at the same scene again and again and again. Is there a way, or would you advise actors to to find a way to stand out? Or is that dangerous (laughs) to kind of impose something?
2: Um, Well, you know, it's interesting, sort of going back to what I was saying about I'd rather someone make a bold wrong choice than, than really no choices or very safe kind of middle of the road choices. That being said, you can't be arbitrary for the sake of being arbitrary. I mean, it still has to be true to the scene. Um, so, you know, so I I do want to sort of preface that, but, um, and I think the other thing when you're doing a self tape is whenever possible and know that it may not always be possible, but whenever possible, you know, if you have representation, ask them to ask the casting director for any additional insight, or often when we've been casting something for a long time, the character has changed. It's sort of morphed than what you know, we had originally been looking for. And unfortunately, whether it's the breakdown or the material itself hasn't caught up to that. Um, and and you know, they're in the process of maybe rewriting the scenes to address how uh, the character has changed, but the, the writers haven't gotten to do it yet. So you're, they're looking for actors to make choices that aren't necessarily how the scene is written. Um, so I would say whenever possible, ask your representation to, you know, speak to the casting office to say, hey, is there anything different or um, new about the character or is there things that, you know, they're not seeing in the auditions, any insight that, that you can get. It can't hurt to ask. Know that you may get a response of just, you know, just make the choices. We, we're just interested to see what they do that may happen or they may say, yeah, actually, you know, here's a little something I typed up yeah. um, for them. So, um, but you know, I, I would say if you're self taping, I would set yourself up in the scene as best you can. Why not? You know, why not give yourself something if you're having a drink in the scene, you know, to do again, you don't want it to be so busy that, that we're losing the actual work or we're not focused on, on the work and, and watching too much of all the other stuff that's going on. Um, But, you know, it's, it's the plus to self-taping. Yeah. And I would also say in self-taping, the other important thing, and I know it's not always possible because sometimes things come last minute, but get a good reader. You would again, be amazed by the number of self-tapes that come in, and you're just, I, like, I can't, I can't really pay attention to what the actor's doing, because the reader is so bad. (laughs) I mean, like, distractingly bad. Um, So, uh, or, you know, I've had it where, you know, English is not their first language as the reader, and so, you know, that's, it's just, it's very, very, you know, and, and, again, the thing about self-taping is versus being in the room is, you know, I have the ability to click to the next person much faster than if somebody's in the room. If someone's in the room, they're going to finish their audition. I'm not going to stop them in the middle and say, okay, thank you. Um, But with a self-tape, I have the ability to just, you know, jump to the next one the actor never knows. So going back to what you said about what can you do to stand out or whatever, you know, those, those first moments, again, in your scene, as strong as you can sort of make those first kind of beats of the scene to really sort of grab, grab the casting director's attention.
1: Yeah. What, what would we get? Would we get 10 seconds before you flicked on by?
2: I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it really does depend. I mean, you know, there are times, you know, I'm watching things that, you know, I get up early and I'm watching at 5 a.m. Um, other times I'm doing it in the middle of the day and, you know, and then a phone, you know, and then the phone rings and I'm suddenly distracted. So, you know, you also just, you never know, you know, when they're gonna be watching, who's gonna be watching. Is it the casting director? Is it the casting associate? Is it the assistant? Um, yeah. So. Yeah.
1: So if you're casting a project and we are auditioning from here via, say, an Australian or a New Zealand casting director, how does that process work? Um, do they filter the tapes so you only see the pick
2: of the bunch? or? Oh, uh, you know, again, it depends um, partly, you know, sometimes on my relationship and how if I've worked with the casting director over there before. Um, but, you know, I, I want to give them their respect. And um, so, you know, if they feel that there are people, they don't feel strong, you know, I'm not going to ask to necessarily see everybody that they've seen. Um, I'm going to trust that they're, you know, choosing the people that they feel are most right. That being said, I've also had casting directors in other countries say, I, I don't think this person is quite right. Um, but I really think it's somebody you should know or you should see or I think could be right for another role in the project down the road. Um, So, but I I would say they generally will, you know, narrow down the choices that they're sending on.
1: Right, okay. So we're going to open for questions now and I think Josephine has the first question, I believe
0: unmute myself. Hi, how are you going? I just wanted to say that Mrs. Amazel is the best show on television. I love it so much. So congratulations on working with that. Um, it's got really fast-paced dialogue. My question was, was this a really big focus in the auditions? Did you have actors like really kind of push themselves with dialogue?
2: Yes. Um, Amy Sherman Palladino's, uh, often the direction she will give actors in the room when they're auditioning is faster. (laughs) Right. Do it again. Just faster. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, you know, she has a very specific way of writing. I mean, in all of her work, uh, it's, Oh, you know, lots and lots of words. Um, and so, you know, pace, Anytime you're auditioning for an Amy Sherman Palladino project, remember pace is super, super important. Um, but that being said, you also can't talk fast for the sake of fast. You still have to be you know, clear in your choices. I mean, even more so probably, um, because you know, you're moving through the material so fast that if, you know, if you're not clear about what you're saying and what the meaning in the scene is and what you're trying to get out of that person in the scene, Um, you know, it's really gonna, you know, not work. It's just gonna feel, you know, like just blather. But yeah, pace for her is super, super important. And you know, that's why you see a lot of people on her shows are people who come from theater, a lot of people from musical theater, because there's a musicality to um, to her dialogue and her rhythm. And then, you know, for Maisel, there was also that sort of added, you know, New York City, Jewish 1950s sort of, you know, um, element as well.
1: And the next question is from Laura Jane. Hi. Um, Hi. It's
0: kind of a two part question about being an Australian or a New Zealand actor. If we were living in America, would you suggest walking into the audition room with an American accent? and not dropping it until after the audition or not dropping it at all? And likewise, if we live in Australia and we're taping for an American project, would we slate, would we do the whole thing in American? The scene, obviously, and the slate in American, even though you know we're Australian living in Australia?
2: Um, It's an excellent question. And I think that has changed. I would have said, you know, again, five, 10 years ago, because I've been doing this a very long time, Um, that, you know, to to not ever, you know, drop the American accent if you're not American, that, you know, producers and directors, you know, would have been looking, you know, listening for that otherwise. But I think now because there's such a proliferation of, you know, British and Australian and New Zealand actors working, you know, steadily, that I think there's, you know, much less fear that they're not going to be able to handle the American accent. Or that it'll leak out or whatever than, you know, than they used to think. So I think, I think you should, because I think it still blows people's mind. It certainly blows my mind like That like turn on a dime of coming in the room and chatting, you know, in your, in your native accent and then boom, you know, doing American. Um, So I would say, I would say, come in and introduce and be yourself. If, if that's, again, what's going to work for you as the actor and being prepared for the work you need to do. You know, if you feel like I need to
4: come in and, you know, be
2: in an American head um, in order to do, you know, the scene right, then, you know, then come in American and then drop it afterwards. But I don't think you have to hide it. That's that's sort of the long answer to your question, you know. So, um but I do think, you know, if, if you feel like, especially if you're coming in the room and you never know how long that chat is gonna go on for and what type of questions might come at you and all of that, if that's gonna throw you for the work then that you need to do for this scene, you know, and, and I've certainly had actors say to me, you know, as I get ready to bring them in the room, is it okay if we don't chat? And that's true for actors, whether they're have an accent or not, like, you know, if they need to be in a certain headspace, especially if it's an emotional scene, you know, you, you have every right to say, is it okay if we just go right into the scene? Um, so, but I, I think for sure, at some point during your audition or self-tape, use your own accent.
3: Great. I, um, oh, Emmett.
4: Have Hello. You got a question? Cool. Hello, Tandy. Hello, Jenny. Um Thank you very much for this. This is, this is already awesome. Um, half of my questions have been answered, but one thing I wondered, you've, you've touched on Miss Maisel casting process. I just wondered how casting something like Miss Maisel is different from Castle Rock, for example, and how we can best adapt or approach that difference.
2: Um, well, I do think, you know, period is important. I, I mean, understanding when you're auditioning for a period piece, um, because they're just, you know, people, uh, women especially, um, held themselves differently. Um, you know, they were much more reserved I and mean, they wore girdles, um, you know, and just what does that do to you, you know, in an audition wearing, a, not for you Emmett, um but or or you know that's up to you, your personal choice. Um, but you know, certainly a woman who's wearing, you know, or you know, if it's a corset, you know, for going even further back in time, you know, you're gonna stand differently, you're gonna speak differently. Um, and you know, the sort of properness uh and formality, both for men and women uh in In you know other time periods um and you know and they how sort of they, did
4: giveaways that you that you are not from that period if you're not uh looking at those as a point of focus cool
2: yeah yeah and I mean and it is funny like there are just certain people who feel contemporary, you know their you know their their audition was fantastic, you know they understood the scene i mean everything they did was great there's just a contemporariness to you know whether it's their look or again how they move um, that sometimes you just can't get around Uh, you know the other thing that's unfortunate um, if for period pieces is for a lot of women uh, who've had work done um, they weren't doing botox in the 50s so unfortunately for the role of the mom there were a lot of actresses that we could not consider because they just had had too much work done and it just wasn't true to the time period. Um, and then, you know, for Castle Rock, that's, you know, then, then you're also getting into uh, geographic uh, and, and whether someone, you buy that person, you know, whatever it is you're casting in the world of that show. And again, there are some people who just don't feel small town, Maine. They just have a sophistication to them. Um, and, and part of that is their upbringing or, and uh, you know, just their own experiences that they just can't get, you know, you can't get past. Um, so, but understanding the time period and how people, you know, watch, watch movies from that time period. Um, you know, watch movies from a particular regional area that, you know, the, the piece is taking place and, you know, do that's part of your research, that's part of your homework, but also understand that not everybody fits as, as one of, I mean, unless you're Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs>
4: um,
2: you know, th- there are very few actors who can move through every kind of genre, every world, every time period you know that that there are just sometimes going to be restrictions despite how great your work is. Karina. Hi. Hi Jeannie. Thanks. It's Rachel Brosnahan. (laughs) Oh my god.
3: (laughs) Wow. Okay I think I'm done. I've had my moment.
2: (laughs) Dear diary today was a really great day.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And I um, okay. uh, pretty much, my question was actually just about rhythm earlier, but you sort of answered that before, just because, like you said, with Maisel, every single person who comes into that scene is just flawless. And I think what you were saying before about like the time period, is that something where you encourage, like me personally as an actor, I like to, you know, if I saw Maisel come through, I would die and then try and. Um, you know focus on the time period and I personally like you were saying in a corset you stand different and with certain time periods you adjust that way for your performance. There are some casting directors who I've heard that they will say you know oh if you've done your hair like the time period of you're wearing an essence of the time period I go you haven't spent as much work on the script as you have getting ready. Oh, Where I personally just think that completely informs my performance. The moment I arrived to a set and they hand me my costume, I can understand exactly who this person is. Do you encourage that sort of?
2: Absolutely. You know, it- absolutely. It, it, I, I, it was the most fun array of uh, wardrobe and hairstyles um, during that audition process. But absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, and you could see, you know, and it's so hard again, as a woman in this industry, you know, so much of it, or you're told, or you're led to believe that it's about your look, and your sensuality, and blah, 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 and so, you know, I'd have, you know, women who come in, and they want to look their best, and, you know, feel like a leading woman, and things like that, and they would come in in a a mini skirt and, you know, high heels, and, you know, um, I don't know how you play midge when you're dressed that way or or actually, it was another um, piece I worked on with Amy, uh, where it was supposed to be uh, a young woman coming um, from a small town uh, to the big city. And again, I had these, you know, young women coming in and, you know, ridiculous sort of slutty, for lack of a better word. Uh, outfits thinking, again, that they had to sell their sexuality, which was so contrary to who this character was, this sort of innocent uh, young woman from a small town. So um, I think, you know, I think if you, I think it will be clear if you've spent all of your time on your outfit and not on the work. But if someone comes in dressed, you know, for the world of the piece, I'm not gonna automatically assume that they didn't do their work as an actor, you know, let let the scene unfold and then it will become clear. Um, but I, I, again, going back to what I said about how anybody gets a job um, walking into an audition room, you know, in this completely fake situation, um, whatever you can do to ground yourself in this character and wardrobe is so much a part of that, You know, I, I, it, you know, I don't think you have to go, you know, full scrubs if you're coming in for a doctor or a lab coat, you know, things like that. But, you know, coming in in a short skirt and high heels as a doctor doesn't really make sense either. You know, I sometimes will have actors who've come in, especially again, women and they're wearing high heels, take your shoes off, like just literally having them feel the ground completely changes their reading. Um, It it just, you know, um, but again, the flip side can be true too. You know, you can't come in um, in a bohemian, you know, uh, yoga outfit and audition for Maisel. So, um, but I, you know, I say, yes, whatever you can do to get yourself into the world of that character, um, do it.
4: Do it, do it, do it. Hello, uh, Hello, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. I uh, just want to say happy Union Day. Uh, thank you, MEAA and Tandy for, uh, for organizing this. And Jeannie, thank you for your time. Um, my question, I feel like you've already answered. So, sorry, just feel free to skip on through if uh, <laughs> if that's the case. But um, well, Let's
2: see if I answer the same way.
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, it's, I wanted to ask you about uh, actors, uh, you know, not talking about anyone specifically, but um, people who might have got really good feedback, consistent good feedback over a number of years, um, you know, going into the room and and uh, then getting an email from a casting director or from your agent saying, look, they loved your work, but not this time. And then watching that pile sort of, you know, <laughs> steadily increase. Um, yeah. Just if you had any thoughts on that. I mean, I, I feel like I know what you might be going to say, but um, yeah.
2: No, it's a, but it's a great question. It, it's hard. I mean, what you guys do is hard. And, you know, to feel like you, you know, you're pouring yourself into, you know, each and every audition and bringing your a game and it's still not happening. Um, but again, I, I, you know, going back, I, I think you have to just think of it as building blocks. And it can't be about just getting that job. It's got to be about you know building blocks and building that relationship with the casting director, with the director and producers. I mean, I've had times where you know the director comes in and says, "Hey, um, can you bring in these three people? I just saw them on another project. You know, didn't work out, but I think that you know, do you know them? I mean, in their times, there are actors that I don't know, or there are actors that I do know that I might not have thought of otherwise." Um, so it's not just about the cast, you know, you're not just making um, that connection with the casting director or the casting office, but, you know, the other people who are seeing your work. Um, but it, it is hard because I, you know, I I mean, I, I hate when, you know, they're looking for feedback and and my answer is they were great. They're just not it. I mean, that's just I'm sure such a hard thing to hear as an actor. But, you know, it's it just you'll have people come in and they're doing great great work and then someone just walks in and they are the character they just inhabit it either how it was conceived or bring a life to it you know in a way that was not how it was originally conceived but suddenly make you know the scene work in a whole new way um but but you know trust trust the work and um and you know keep 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 at it, um, because, you know, if you're getting good feedback, you're doing the right thing.
0: Thank you.
2: you. It's also, it also has to be about, you know, go in, do, you know, do your work, prepare, do your homework, be present, do your best work, and then you also have to learn to let it go. You know, you can't, you can't hang on and you can't keep replaying, you know, the scene or if I, just you know you can do that to yourself. If you know, you didn't do what you should have, if you know, you know, beat yourself up when you know you didn't put the work in like, like feel that that should feel bad because that will you hopefully will never do that again because that's a terrible and I've done it on meetings that I've gone in on on projects where I didn't put the work in and I walk away and I was like, Oh, I should. I really wanted that, you know, to cast that pilot or whatever. But I know I didn't do what I needed to do, and and that will feed you, you know. Hopefully, that won't ever happen again. Hi,
3: hi, Jeannie. Hi, everyone. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, Jeannie, when you are auditioning actors based internationally, how crucial is it for us to have an existing U.S. working visa?
2: Ah, uh, well. In the era of Trump, and I will—that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, but I—I uh, do, I do know visas have been uh, harder to get um, than in the past, uh, and I don't know, you know, post COVID, um, what impact that is going to have as well. Um, but we're generally told uh, for, you know, we need four to six weeks um, to get a visa for somebody. Um, and that, you know, that's sort of best best case scenario. um, generally more even six to eight. If, if we have that kind of lead time on the project, they would prefer. It also depends here in, in LA, like, you know, typical pilot season for network TV is, you know, January to end of March. And that's when a lot of the, you know, ABC and CBS and and the standard uh, uh, networks are casting their pilots. So it's even harder then because there's that many more people kind of vying for visas at that time. Um, But it, you know, sadly, there have been times when we've wanted somebody and there just wasn't enough time to get the visa in place. I also just had a situation on a HBO Max series that I'm doing, where they warned us that the actress might not be granted a visa because she was only recently out of drama school and didn't have, you know, the press packet and the things that they sometimes request um, in order to, you know, prove that you're an alien of extraordinary (laughs) ability, I think is what they called it at one point. Um, So, you know, that was the first time like that's come up, I think, again, just because visas um, are getting harder to come by.
1: Ah, it's me. Hello. Um, Hello. This is a question more just out of curiosity, because I'm fascinated by such things rather than advice. I just wondered if you could talk to um, finding the perfect person that's going to like anchor your new show. Like, did you know Rachel Brosnahan before she um, read for Midge or, um, or was that just a pleasant surprise and you were like, oh my God, I've, I've I found this person and you're on the phone to the producer um, like that.
3: Um,
2: I had actually cast Rachel in a series um, before this um, called Manhattan, uh, which was about the building of the atomic bomb. Um, in uh, New Mexico, uh, in the 40s, uh, 40s, 30s, 40s. Um, so uh, in all honesty, she's the first person I thought of when I read the script. Uh, so I brought her up on the first phone call that I had um, with Amy and the studio. Uh, and they were, you know, the studio knew her Um, mostly from House of Cards Um, and Amy sort of knew her, but not really, but you know, of course the first answer was, yeah, but does she do comedy? (laughs) Uh, So, you know, she really hadn't kind of done that, but I just knew, I mean, I didn't know that for sure. And, you know, I certainly, she had to read for it, but I, you know, she's so smart and again, so trained. And um, just and I knew she could do period because she had done it on our uh, other show, and um, that uh, you know, th- that sort of innocence and bubbliness um, that still felt real and genuine and not put on, um, you know, I bought her in that time period. you know, she had so many of the qualities it was just going to be whether or not she could make the comedy work and and you know it. It took a little bit of work, but she's so smart that once she sort of, again, kind of understood the rhythm and could, you know, understand kind of where the comedy was coming from. And and, and with Amy, it's never about playing the comedy. It's about playing the reality of the scene and letting the comedy come out. It's like the more real you play it, the funnier it is. And it can't ever be about going for the joke. And so, again, that's you know where she had such an advantage because she just is so smart that she understood the scene that so eventually she was able to sort of figure out how the comedy came in.
1: We are almost um, at the end of our time, but I think we've got a chance oh. for one more question. Um, Melanie. Hi, thank you Hi. so
0: much for doing all of this. Really great. Um, So uh, my question was: um, I lived in LA for a few years, and I know that over there, the um, the getting to know the casting directors and everything is a little bit different from here. Um, There's a lot about publicizing yourself as an actor as a business, and (laughs) yeah, me too. That's how I feel. (laughs) um, Really, your sister. um, It was, it was, yeah, it was really, really hard and it was a hard adjustment to make. And, you know, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not good at that sort of thing. Nor am I. (laughs) 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 Um, But I was just wondering, like, and, and, you know, there was the whole postcards thing, people sending out postcards of themselves when they had like a one-liner on CIS or something. And I was like, oh God, I don't know i can do that so i was just wondering you know if you sort of have any thoughts about um about that sort of thing and about you know how best to do that for actors especially if you're someone like myself who has um i'm a u.s citizen or other people who are citizens or have green cards or whatever already um Mm -hmm. things coming out in america like projects coming out in america um like how best to sort of let casting directors know and stuff
2: like that. Um, I mean, certainly if you have reput- uh, representation, that should be something that they um, for sure let the casting director know, you know, um, you know, when they either, whether you're being submitted, you know, through an email or online or however that might, you know, they should for sure highlight that. Um, it should be, and if you have a green card, um or U.S. citizenship, you know, for sure that should be highlighted on your resume. Mm -hmm. Um, So definitely make note of that. You know, I get questions about, um, you know, how important is social media and having, you know, followers and things like that. And, you know, maybe I'm naive, um, but, you know, I've been lucky enough on the projects that I work with and the producers that I work with where it's again about the actor and their talent and not about their social media following. That being said, I know, you know, in the world of the CW and, you know, maybe Freeform and some of these, you know, uh, networks and, and platforms that are, you know, more geared towards young people and, and that audience, I do think it comes into play there um, because it's it's just a, it's about marketing and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, and part of the problem is now there, the good news is there's all of these platforms for content. The bad news is there's all of these platforms for content. And how do you get eyeballs? How do you get an audience to your show when there's so much firing, vying for an audience's attention? Um, So, you know, I do know that's where sometimes you know casting a star, someone who can get on a talk show or uh, you know a magazine um, article or whatever it may be, you know to bring attention because it's it's about just getting people to come to the show initially, and then hopefully the show, the writing and the acting and everything else is good enough that people will stay. But how do you get people to come to it initially when again there's so many things out there all the time? Um, You know, airing. So, you know, so I, I, I guess I understand where sometimes that might come into play in terms of, well, that person's got, you know, the social media following, they'll be able to get word out about the show, you know, maybe we should go with them over this other person. Um, but luckily I've, I've, I've yet to have a situation where it's come down to well, we can go with this person who has this, who's not as good an actor, but has, you know, a million Instagram followers or this person who's, you know, fantastic actor in terms of staying in touch. Otherwise, you know, the postcard thing, it's hard, you know, and, and again, now with social media, you know, I have people who will reach out to me, you know, on Instagram or on Facebook after they've come in to audition. And, you know, there are some casting people who are very open to that and welcoming of that and they're fine with that. I'm not very big on Facebook period. Um, I'm more an Instagram person and that's about sort of keeping my world smaller and, and my personal life, not so much my professional life. So, you know, If you want to reach out to someone on Facebook or Instagram, you know, just be prepared for them to, to block you or not accept you or what, you know, whatever it is and don't take it personally. Um, You know, you're welcome to put yourself out there and see if they, you know, will connect, but, but also respect that if they want to keep their work life and their personal life or some part of their professional life separate, you know, that's their right to do so. You know, I've had people reach out to me over Facebook, you know, saying they want to audition for something. It doesn't, it doesn't offend me. um, And, you know, but more likely than not, it's not necessarily how someone's going to get an audition. Um, But it may, that just depends on my mood on that particular day too. You know, we're all human beings. You're human beings. We're human beings. We have good days. We have bad days. We have times when we feel you know, assaulted um, or just, you know, not respected about our time and our space in the same way that you guys do. Um, So, uh, you know, that being said, send an email, if you have an email on a casting director, I don't know, I mean, send it. You know, if you have something to say or you wanna thank them for an audition that you've had, just be prepared for, you know, either no response or they may say, please don't, you know, I, 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 I don't, I'm not okay with that. You know, you just have to be prepared for, for maybe not a positive response back. But if you're comfortable giving it a shot, do it. I mean, what, you know, what's the harm? That's, you know, I, if it, I, I can always hit delete. Um, but you know, the postcards are hard. It's also hard because a lot of casting directors move around a lot. You know, I only recently got my own space that I keep, you know, all the time. Otherwise, I just went to wherever the production put me. So, you know, actors were, you know, constantly sending to an old address or whatever. But short answer is, if you have something to say, like, I I just did this thing or I'm in this thing, you know, then I think it's a good reason to reach out or, if it's someone you have a relationship with, but you haven't seen them in a while, you know, reach out and say, hey, you know, just wanted to put my put me back on your radar or, you know, or share something personal or whatever it is, reach out. But I, I think you have to sort of be a little bit respectful of what your relationship is with that casting director and be respectful of what their response may or may not be and not not take it personally. That answer. Okay.
1: Yeah, we have to wrap up fairly soon, but I just wanted to, um, before we do, uh, Jeannie, do you have any sense of what what might be going to happen in a post-COVID world? Do you have any sense of how we stagger forward as an industry? Do you think casting will change or necessarily become more regional? That's an excellent question, and I.
2: I think it's still too early to really know. I, I do think the self-taping thing may become m- more of a norm, or at least initially. I mean, even as we started to, as it was just starting to hit here, we had about a week before we shut down when, you know, it, it was certainly coming to the forefront. But, you know, we thought to be safe, let's just have actors self-tape. Um, and I think that will probably be what will happen as we come back into it. Um, cause that's certainly something that can be c- controlled. You know, I can still do my job that way. Um, I mean, that's, you know, social distancing taken to an extreme, but, um, so I think that we probably will see more, there may be more self-taping, uh, there may be more, um, regional, you know, casting of of not, you know, flying actors, you know, certainly across the country. Um, Again, I don't even, you know, we're being told, you know, there are these travel bans right now, how long those will continue for. Um, So it may be that, you know, it's just not, you know, we're being told there are a couple actors on a Hulu thing that I'm working on, you know, who are an actor, two actors from Ireland. Um, You know, we have to have, uh US based actor backup choices because when we get ready to shoot they you know either may not be granted the visa or they may not be allowed to travel um so i you know i think that's all going to uh you know remain to be seen um and i you know and i think it will unfold in in waves yeah you know, I think I think they're. You know, I think productions are going to be smaller. And, you know, they're talking about. You know th- that there will be less. You know, crowd scenes and less location shooting. You know, to be able to control the environment um, to the best of their abilities uh, to start. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think there's also the possibility that, you know, things may open up. I mean, again, you're already seeing, you know, um, things that are being filmed in isolation and stories being told about isolation. And, you know, so I, I think there also may be an interesting, you know, um, new way of, of filming and shooting and creating content.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're talking down here about the possibility of creating an Australian New Zealand super bubble. Um, so,
2: so obviously, oh, because, you know, because you're, you can, you know, New Zealand especially because you're an island.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we would love talking. to come and work over here, live here, and be our best friend.
2: I, I, you know, I'll come and stay. I'll, I'll be, I'll be in your bubble. <laughs> I, uh, we, I was in New Zealand. Um, gosh, it's two years ago now, and it was the most spectacular. Pl- I mean, I. If it weren't the other side of the world, I would move there, but I'd be so far away from the rest of my family. And you won't let us come anyway and stay, so. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a specta, I mean, and Australia too. I, I only got to be in uh, Melbourne, but um, it, it both spectacular countries. And, uh, and I, I said this in my workshop over in Australia and, and just in my experience traveling in New Zealand, going back to what you said about authenticity there. And I think it's, and I do think it's what um, Hollywood has responded to with Australian and New Zealand actors is, is this authenticity, is this just truly like knowing who you are, being comfortable in your own skin, you know, here in L.A., there's just such an affect and a posing and a, you know, feeling like I got to go to the cool party or be seen at the, you know, there, there's um, a lot of posing that comes with uh, acting and, you know, um, and, and there is an authenticity and a genuineness uh, to Australian and New Zealand actors that I think is incredibly appealing uh, and just an honesty you know and and an openness as to who they are and in their work uh, that I, I think is what we respond to so much. I mean, wow. I was so struck I was so struck in the, in the workshop that I did that that people coming in just like looked like themselves, like they that they weren't nobody was super done up or, you know, again, like trying to sort of appear to be something that they weren't. They were just coming as they were. And it was about the work and not about, you know, how they're coming across.
1: Yeah, great. Oh, what a wonderful thank note to end you. on. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jenny. being
2: genuine, keep uh-huh. being authentic. Trust yourselves, trust your work. Take joy in your work. I, that's the other thing. It, it, it does. It is one of the things that that will come across in an audition, and 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 can can really sort of um, put uh, whether it's the casting director or the director producers. You can tell when there is not joy uh, in the work that someone is doing. Whether it's an you know whether it's a scene that has nothing to do with joy, but just an actor who you know, it is, is just so weighed down or just wants it so badly, you know, that again, it's about wanting the job and not doing the work and a sort of desperation or a jadedness that, that can come across in your audition and can, you know, lose you the job before you've even done the work. So, so take joy and, you know, uh, in what you're doing, and, and have a good time, and, and embrace that audition, make the most of it, and then go back and have your life.
1: Thank you so much, Jeannie. Thank, Thank you, you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Thank you so much. my this
3: so was, was such joy. Such
2: joy. Thank, Thank you so much, Jeannie. Thank you
1: so
3: much,
1: Jeannie. Really Bye. appreciate it. Bye. Bye.
0: Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the Foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.